All right, I think God's going to speak. Are you ready to dive in today? John chapter 15. How many of you ready to dive in? Yeah, that's good. You don't have a choice anyway. All right, John chapter 15, and we're going to start in verse 1. I'm going to read verses 1 through 9. Jesus is speaking, and he says this, I am the, the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Verse 4, abide in me. Just say that word, abide. And I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. Verse 7, if you abide in me, my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Powerful verse right there. By this, my Father is glorified. We're going to talk about that. That you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Vision for 2019 can be summed up in verse 9. You ready? As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your presence, for who you are. God, I just pray you grip every heart in this room, young and old, with the power of your presence and the goodness of your gospel today. Speak to us today. In Jesus' name, and everybody said. So um, some of you may not know this because you're newer, newer to our church. Um, One year ago today, one year ago today, we became Generation Church. We became Generation Church. My wife and I, yeah, praise God for that. Uh, We were Seabreeze Church before that. We we became um, Generation Church first week of last year. My wife and I have been pastoring this church for um, a little over a year, um, August, September, when we um, became the senior pastors here. And I, I just want to tell you that part of, you know, the weight of what I do, and it's a good weight, I love it, um, I, I get to lean in on God, but, but I, I like to go before the Lord and, and get clear vision and direction for you and for me. What do I mean by that? In other words, I'm not, I'm not searching the internet for vision for you, all right? Is that a good thing? I'm seeking the face of the Lord, and I'm going before the Lord, and I'm saying, God, what are you saying right now? Like, we're not dependent, and we're not, we're not, we're not going to live in yesterday's anointing and in yesterday's blessing and in, in 2018's miracles and in 2000. We want fresh. We want new. We want, we want goodness and miracles and signs and wonders. Come on. Fresh for 2019. The Bible says his mercies are new every morning. So there's a newness today. Don't depend on yesterday's encounter that you had with him. So why I say that? Because, you know, um, last week, how many of you were here last week? Didn't Nathan do a good job? Where's Nathan? Didn't Nathan do good? Yes. Talking about surrender. I was watching from uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. My my wife and I, my family were out there and had a great time. But during that time and and, and our our kind of year in, just getting away to see her family and, and rest, I'm just seeking the Lord. I'm like, Lord, what do you have for 2019? Like, what's the direction? What's the vision you have for our church? And, 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 and what do we, how can we just kind of launch into this year? And I'm, I'm, I'm looking for strategy. I mean, I'm looking for all of these things. And the Lord, you know, very, very simply just spoke to me and said, I want you to remember your first moments with me. I was like, okay. 
Not really what I was looking for, but, but you know, um, and he said, no, remember your first moments with me. Now, everybody's have, everybody has a different testimony, but mine, you know, radically saved, encountered God in a radical way, and um, 20, 21 years old, nothing mattered to me except his presence. I remember days being in the Coast Guard in New Orleans, sitting in the guard shack, and for eight hours, just, 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 just weeping, and just, re- I remember reading, I've, I've shared this with somebody, reading the book of Acts just two times in a row, just, just, just weeping, just experiencing God. That's all I needed. I didn't have any friends. I just moved. I didn't know anyone there, but, but God was enough for me. And I said, okay, you know, but, but, but what else do you have for us? Like, that's cool. I remember. We all like to remember back in the day, but I need, like, strategy right now, God. So what else you got? And he said to me, nothing else. Nothing else. Nothing else. And I was pondering that. I'm like, okay, nothing else, nothing else. And so I'm just sitting there and I'm like, Lord, so you're saying the vision for 2019 for our church is, is, uh, is just very simple? It's not complicated. Yes, it's simple. It's, it's, it's seeking the presence of God. It's receiving the love that God has for you and me. And, and yes, there's going to be, you know, um, um, you know, strategy and all of those things. But all of the strategy for 2019 must flow from a place of intimacy with Jesus. Intimacy with our Father. Otherwise, we're wasting our time. And all we're doing is just, you know, showing up to encourage one another. And encouragement lasts about uh, two and a half days and then is gone. You need more than encouragement. You need the intimacy. You need the power and the presence of a loving Father and the power of the Holy Spirit abiding in His goodness and in His love for you. Come on, this is what God has for us this year. So we're going to talk about, uh, you know, what does it mean to abide? Because in John chapter 15, we see the word abide 11 times just in the first half of the chapter. It might mean something. We see the word fruit eight times might mean something. We might need to pay attention to what Jesus is trying to get across to us. You know, abiding, when we talk about that word, like, we don't say that today. Like, like you, you don't go up to your friend and be like, hey, man, you've been abiding lately? Or, you know. Like, we, we, don't, we don't talk like that. But in church, like, we grew up and have heard enough sermons on John 15. Like, we know what that means, but that doesn't mean we're living it. Abiding, though, I want to tell you, is not a mental exercise. It's a heart exercise. It's a heart exercise. So it's not like mind over matter that you've got to really try to convince yourself to abide and wake up and like look in the mirror and say, you're an abider. You're an overcomer. We can do this. Let's go. You're amazing. You're coming. This, this is not the Christian life. You, you don't go into, into like, you know, uh, an orange, you know, orchard or you go by an orange tree and, and you look at the branch and, and you see and you see the branch just just travailing and naming it and claiming it and just saying, I just declare right now I need oranges. Jesus. You don't see that. The branch knows all it has to do is stay attached to the vine. It's simple. It's not 8, 10, 12 steps of how I'm going to grow an orange and how am I, how am I going to have fruit. And i got to name it and claim it and blab it and grab it and all that stuff that we talk about. I mean, it's, it's just simple. It's resting in the power source, church. 
something I feel like if the church in America doesn't become aware of what's happening, we will lose the very power source that gives us what we need to change the world instead of looking like it. Help me preach this today, Lord. I love you. And I had somebody tell me after first service, that, well, that, this wasn't the, the, the message I was expecting for the first of the year and, uh, and for vision. And, and, but this is what God gave me. So this is where we're going. Amen. So abiding is living conscious of Jesus, aware of his presence. Just living conscious of Jesus. How many of you know you will, you will only live conscious of what you value? You will only live conscious of what you value. Some of you uh, don't know, um, but there is a, a type of shoe that Adidas makes called Yeezys. Come on, y'all say that with me. Say Yeezys. Now, now y'all know what Yeezys are. I was taught our drummer, Meshach, I, I looked at him and I said, you wearing some Yeezys today? I'm not going to tell you what he told me, but he got, he got them on the black market, okay? But, but <laughs> Yeezys, if you don't know what Yeezys are, it's a pair of tennis shoes that can cost you upwards of $10,000 for one pair. Come on, look it up. That's true. Average, I mean, you could pay anywhere from $500, but, man, they get up to $10,000 for one. How many of you would pay $10,000 for a pair of tennis shoes? I mean, if you rate, okay, we might need to have some counseling after the service for you, my brother. Um, unless you just got some money to spare, then we're going to counsel anyway. <laughs> And how many of you know, but on, on the flip side of that, how many of you have this pair of shoes in your, in your garage that, that, that you just mow the grass with? You know what I'm talking about? It's like that, it's like that $8 Walmart pair of beaters that's like nine years old and, the, and, the, and it's like flapping when you walk like this. And some of y'all got an old shoestring that tied it together. And when you go to cut the grass, you got to grab those shoes and you got to dump out all the sand and the dirt that was just sitting in your shoe. You know what I'm talking about. If you're walking through like a muddy field in your Walmart beaters, you, you don't care. You're not every step like, oh, can't get mud on these. Like, oh my goodness, this is no. But if you got your Yeezys on, every step you take, especially if they're white, come on now. Some of y'all see some of y'all with them white tennis shoes on. Your every move you make, you are conscious of what's on your feet because it's valuable. It's valuable. We live aware of what we value. Something that we don't value very much, we treat as common. What am I saying today? I'm, try, I'm trying to say that it's time that we stop treating the presence of the Lord as common and valuing his, his glory and his presence and allowing ourselves to live conscious of him every moment of every day. But what does that look like for us? What does it mean to abide? What does it, what does it mean? Um, so, so based on John 15, I want to look at just two, we could call them fruits, based on you know, what Jesus was making this analogy with the branch and the vine and the fruit. If we will commit in 2019 to simply focus on, on abiding in Jesus and not all the other see all the other stuff flows from that place of abiding in Jesus we 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 complicate things and Jesus is constantly trying to simplify things 
And if we will focus on abiding in him this year, there are, there are two things that are going to happen, two fruits that, that, that are going to happen. And, and by the way, this is one of those messages that yesterday afternoon I came down to the church just to pray and seek the Lord. And, and God began to, to drop some things in my spirit. And, and what ended up happening is half of the, the sermon that I had to give you is gone and has been replaced with something that God has, has shown me and even into last night and this morning. So bear with me as I, as I work through this with you. I'm just trying to be obedient to what God has told me to share with you today, okay? Can we go there? So the first thing that, that we're going to see in our life and in our church um, if we begin to live a life of, of abiding is, is obedience, I want you to look in verse 4 and 5. And I know we don't like that word, but let's talk about it. It says this, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch can't bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. You can't bear fruit. You can't can't reflect um, God's purpose and, and character in your life unless you stay connected to the vine. You can't live a life of obedience unless we are abiding. And, and in Hebrews 10, 16, I'm going to just cover qu- some quick verses on this. I want to share this about obedience. It says this, this is the new covenant with them. And I will put my laws on their hearts and I will write them on their minds. So what is he saying to us? That his law is his nature. His law is his nature, and he's put his nature inside of us and stamped it on our minds. And so we don't wake up and try to be obedient. We wake up and we, we, we resource from the nature of God that's inside of us, and he leads us into fruitfulness. This is the life of obedience. 1 John 5, 3 says this, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. Now we read that, and we're like, I don't like that. This is the love of God that we keep his commandments. But what's the rest of the verse say? And they are not burdensome. Well, yes, they are. I've read enough of my Old Testament to know that the children of Israel tried it. It was 600 and, you know, however many, you know, laws that they had to follow. It was burdensome. It was a weight, a yoke around their neck, and they could not bear it. They failed. It is burdensome. New Covenant... Jesus bore the burden for us. Now we resource from a good bank account that never overdrafts. And when we live in a place of abiding, obedience is is easy. It's easy. If you really love your wife, husbands, you you love your wives, you're going to naturally just want to please her. Doing the dishes sometimes, we don't like it, but maybe there's times when it's okay because you know it's going to put a smile on your wife's face. You see the difference between, between <laughs> all the ladies were like, yes, Lord. <laughs> I received that word, and she's and then nudging y'all's husbands. Yeah, my wife's giving me, she's like, okay, I heard you, I heard you. I got to watch what I say up here. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, for they are not burdensome. How many of you ever bought anything from Ikea? Everybody been to Ikea? Like, you need to go just for the experience. I mean, like, it's like a mall. Like, they've got, like, you know, serve you food. You just drop your kids off. Like, they just take your kids. Like, that's amazing. (laughs) Like, why doesn't Walmart do that? Or Publix. 
We'd go there all the time. Just drop your kids off and keep walking. And they have things set out so amazing, and everything is, man, you're just looking at stuff. You're like, I want that, man. I want that. I want this. But when you go to pay for it, they're like, uh-uh, you, you go get the box. What are you talking about? Yeah, I'm trying to get that display right there. Uh-uh, you go get the box in the warehouse. That's 9,000 pieces. And we're not even going to help you out to your car. You put it in your car, you go home, and it's up to you to put that thing. Anybody ever tried to put something from Ikea together without the manual? Because it's, like, written in, like, Russian, and, and you know, they, they give you things that, that, like, don't, you know. It's not like a normal screwdriver. I'm like, why couldn't you just use, like, a, like a Phillips screwdriver? What is this thing, anyway? You try to put it together. And you get three quarters of the way through and you realize you missed one little piece and you got to start all over again. You're frustrated. Come on, I've been there, man. You put like something that seems so simple and it can be so complicated. Unless you start and you resource and you use the manual. I'm here to tell you that when we see the new covenant in Jesus Christ, what he's telling us is I have actually taken the Ikea manual from heaven and I've put it inside of you. I put, it, I put it on your heart so that when you get up in the morning, it's not complicated and it's not trying to figure out and going back to the beginning and, oh, I skipped, you know, missed step two. It's just simply trusting in the, in the manual and, and resting in Jesus. And man, I'm telling you, it's not a burden anymore. You find peace and there's a, an ease. You with me? Obedience flows from relationships. Somebody needs to hear that. What happens, and we'll move on, but what happens when we start living in obedience is that our desires begin to line up with his will. When we, when we, when we abide through relationship with Jesus, the, your, your want to begins to, to line up with what you should be doing. Um, let me say it this way. Like, you know, if you're still white-knuckle Christian, and you're just wanting, you know, to sin all the time, but I mean, you're just staying faithful, you know, you just got to make it today. There's more for you. I'm not going to bring condemnation to your, to your situation, but I want to encourage you with the grace and the love of God that will come upon you and will begin to actually change your desires so that when I was 20 years old and the things I desired were pills and, and clubs and all the things that were not good for me, but I desired them. And I came to Jesus and it wasn't like I was all of a sudden like, well, you know, now I still want to do all those things, but man, I just can't do it. So I'm going to live a life of just rejecting everything I want to do. How terrible is that? I'm transformed from the inside out and I begin to desire the things of the Spirit. I'm not talking about perfection. I'm just saying we, we live in this perfect state of harmony. But what I'm trying to tell you is there is a, a place of living in obedience that flows from relationship. And obedience closes the gap between what you desire and what you achieve in the Lord. God can bring dreams and things to you and to your family and things that you feel like he wants you to do the way there is simple trust, abiding in him through relationship and living in obedience. And little by little, the process takes place. God gets glory and you walk out your calling in life. It's just, it's just easy. All right. 
Let's go to the next. This is the, the last point. I only have two, and this is the one that God really dropped in my heart yesterday. So abiding um, produces obedience in our life. And abiding, when we live a life of relationship, God will begin to reveal and we begin to reflect his glory. And we see it in John 15. This is, how, this is how it happened to me yesterday, reading back through the text, just reading back through the text. I get to verse 8. By this, my father is glorified, and I just had to stop. I tried to go past it, and God said, no, 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 you need to camp out right here. I was like, okay, what do you mean? Like, glorified. What, what does that mean? And I began to think about what does that mean for us this year, uh, in 2019, for you individually, for my, for, for my family, for our church, and, and what is God trying to say through this word? We say it a lot. Glorify your name, God. God, we give you glory. But, but do we know what it means? Like, we have an idea of what it means, but do we, do we really know what it means? Romans 3.23 says this, for all have sinned, or miss the mark, and fallen short of the glory of God. The word fallen short, literally, it literally means to lack. So what is he saying? For all of us have sinned and missed the mark, thankful that Jesus hit the mark, but, but, but we lack the glory of God. What that tells me is, is that we were actually designed to live in the glory of God. And in Jesus, because he hit the mark, we're able, all of us, to live in and reflect the glory of God. But we need to define it, don't we? Can't just use all these big terms and encourage one another in that way. We need to really dig in. That's what I want to do. What is glory? Hard to define. It's a hard word to define. I was just thinking through this yesterday. Uh, Moses said this, Lord, show me your glory. He said, show me your glory. If you were there with him when he asked that question, you might, if you, if you had not known what that word was, you may have said, Moses, like you could have asked for anything in this moment. What is glory? Now, he would have had a hard time explaining it to you because it's not like the word basketball where like if you said, what is a basketball? What is that word? And I could say, well, a basketball is like a round rubber ball that you put air into it. And it gets kind of hard, and then you can actually like bounce it. And they've got this thing called a hoop, and you can actually like pass it to each other, and then you shoot it in this hoop. And, and you would have a good idea of what the word basketball means based upon my description. But there are some words, like the word beauty, that are more seen than expressed with words. And so there are some words that we know what they are, not by our ability to express verbally, but by having seen it. And, and the more we point to it and we say, that's beautiful, that is what beauty is, we, we get an understanding of it, but it's, it's hard to define. You tracking with me? You awake today, I'm losing somebody. There are times when we can't express when the glory of God comes into a room. We don't know how to describe it. We have a hard time telling someone about it, but we know it when it's there. We know it when it's there. So glory is the revelation or the manifestation of the presence of God. Let me explain to you really quick 
the difference between holiness and glory. Holiness is, you've probably heard it, you theologians, um, holiness is to be separate. And I remember hearing that definition and not really liking it very much. So God is separate? He doesn't want to be with me? He's just over there? But that's not really what the word holy means. The word, the word holy means being in a class by himself in his perfection and worth and greatness. It's separated in the sense of worth, not distance. You with me? So it's what nobody else is that he is. That's his holiness. It, it, it's, it's God and the fact that he cannot be improved upon. That's his holiness. And, and, we, and we see in Isaiah 6.3, the angels are crying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. But check out the next part of this verse. The whole earth is filled with his, and you would think that he would say holiness. Because they just got through saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord, and the whole earth is full of his holiness. But they said glory. So what's, what's the difference here between holiness and glory? This is what I think. I think that glory is the, the going public of the holiness of God, if you will. It's the... It's, it's, it's the manifestation of who he is, his presence. Put it to you like this, because you could say, well, isn't God always with, is God here right now? Let's just talk real for a minute. Is the presence of God here? But are there times when you know he's here? What's the difference? Did he show up? Like when we say, come Lord, is he like, Hey, um, Jesus, uh, ho- um, Holy Spirit, y'all, they just asked for y'all. Y'all going down there now. And then, and then Holy Spirit's like, all right, man, I'll see y'all in a little bit. I got to go be with Generation Church for a minute. And then he's hanging out with us for a little while. Thanks for inviting me, guys. Good to see you. No, 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 he's here with us right now. But there is a glory or a revealing. Here's what that, here, let me explain this to you. It's like, it's like if there was a millionaire in our midst right now, he would, be, he would be with us. You may not know who he is, but let's just say there's a millionaire, and, and, and he's in our midst right now. But imagine if that millionaire stood up right now in the service and pulled out of his pocket a massive wad of $100 bills and just started going up and down the aisle just making it rain, just, just hundreds, boom, 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 just making it rain all over this house. Y'all would be scrambling around. This church would look crazy right now. There'd be people, there'd be, there'd be late dignified ladies rolling under chairs, just grabbing hundreds, like, oh man, this is the day the Lord has made. Praise Jesus. What happened? The, the millionaire was in our midst, but he made himself known. And you are, you are experiencing part of who he is now. Does that make sense? This is what the glory of God is. This is what God is saying to us that he wants us to live in this place for all have sinned and lack the glory of God, the manifestation of the presence of the Lord. So for us in 2019, 
God keeps speaking to me. Go back to the start. Go back to the start, Stephen. What, do you think you're a big shot now? You got got church growing? Great, man. It's awesome. Cool, man. Cool cafe in there. That's awesome. Don't lose your first love, Stephen. Don't lose your first love. Don't remember the times where I, I would just weep in his presence, just hungry, just so thankful to be saved and to know him and be known by him and to experience his love, not in a theological way, but in a real way. I mean, he doesn't want to be just known about. He wants to be known. He wants, to be, he wants you to encounter his goodness. Not just sing about glory. Not just sing about these things and read about them. And I've been to some theological classes and some seminary professors who know all there is to know. I mean, they just think they know all there is to know about God and live like the devil. Don't know the love of God. And and, and Paul says, he says, you can have all that stuff if love is not resonating, eternal love not resonating in you. It's worthless. I don't care about that. I want, I want to know you, and I want you to know me, this exchange that takes place. And so this is our goal for 2019. I know for some of you guys, man, you're like, man, you're expecting more. You're like, man, I like it when he's like, all right, we got 10 things. We're going to do this, 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 and this. And we're gonna, this is going to be awesome in 2000. I don't have that. It's not what God gave me. You put the slide back up. It just, this, is, this, was, this is what just says nothing else. It's nothing else. Just remember back when all you needed was me, and that was enough. Whew. All right, Lord. And everything else comes from that place. We're not striving anymore. We're resting. There will be times during this, I feel this in my spirit, There will be times during this 21 days of prayer and fasting that some of you will encounter the glory of God for the first time. I prophesy that over you. There will be times when you'll be driving in your car and the presence and the glory of God settles over you and you begin to weep. And it's not just for so that we can cry and have this emotional experience. No, when you encounter his glory, we are changed. Like, we're changed. We're, 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 and we, you, you don't, you don't stay the same when you've seen him. Moments, I, I think back of my days in, in New Orleans, man, we had this college group. It's where I met my wife. And we would literally at Sunday night church, and then we would go to my friend's apartment, Loyola University. And we would pack in this little apartment and he would gather around his keyboard and we would worship Jesus for hours. Prophetic things would happen and we would just be weeping in the the glory. There were times, this is no joke, there were times when the, the weight of the presence of the Lord, no one would say anything. It's just everyone would feel it at the same time and everyone would get on their knees and many would be on their face No one said, okay, guys, it's time to get on your knees now. No, he he began to manifest his presence 
in the room. And we're like, oh my goodness. The weight of his glory hit us. And these are moments who have made me who I am, church. And I will never leave that. I don't think God wants us to leave that place of simplicity. Do you? And trade it for what? You tell me. <laughs> like, like Jesus standing before crowds of people saying some tough things to them. They start to leave. Like, I'm not in this, man. I'm out. Looks at his disciples. He's like, y'all can go too. Go on, get out of here. Peter's, I I just think he kind of just stops and ponders this moment. Having already tasted and seen that he is good, he says back to Jesus, where are are we going to go? Who else has the words of life? The words that when you speak, something happens on the inside of me. I can't really define it, but it's there. It's reality for me. I'm not going anywhere, Jesus. I'm I'm not going anywhere. And the Lord spoke this over me. I want you to turn to chapter 15. Before we land this plane, I want you to look at something. This is what will set us apart. This is what... <laughs> this is what's going to set us apart. Look at, look at verse 22. It says this. When the, the glory... This is Jesus. This is the, the prayer of Jesus. Chapter 17. Go home and read the whole chapter. He's praying to his Father, and he says this. The glory that you have given me, John 17, 22, I have given to them. Did you see that exchange? The glory, God, that you've given to me, I now give to them, that they may be one even as we are one, I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one so that... The world may know that you sent me and loved me even as you loved me. Love them even as you love me. What is he saying? He's saying that I'm going to pour my glory out on my kids. And it's going to be the very thing that sets them apart from everyone else. It's going to be the very thing when people see it and they... Their eyes are open and, and they, they don't know how to describe it, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to prove, it's going to be a proof of the reality of Christ. That's what I want for our church. I want, and I've heard testimonies of people that, that come from all backgrounds. Some, some people, man, Catholic, can you believe that? Like, like people that literally weeks ago walked out of a Catholic church, being Catholic their whole life and come into our church. I'm like, before service starts, I'm just thinking, buckle up. I just pray, like, I just pray for them, like, Lord, your presence and your glory can break all the walls. And I've had people say, man, I, I don't, I don't know. There's times I was in worship and I didn't, you know, know what was going on. I just started crying. Or I, I walked out and, and people would say, man, it's not pointing at me at all. Pastor Stephen is this, and, and look how good they were, and look how good all that. No, I, people, people will say, man, the presence of God is there. 
So what we want is we want the glory to show up. We receive the glory, but we don't keep it for ourselves. We reflect it back on the world and back to God. And we say, God, you can have it back. I love you so much. Thank you, God. You're so amazing. I'm just giving you all that I have. All the glory that you've bestowed upon me, you can have it all back. I just get, this is what worship is. Giving back to him the very breath he gave to you. And say, it's not mine. I'm borrowing it right now. And I'm, I'm giving it back to you as an offering. And we're releasing the very glory that he gave to us. But I want to show you something. Because there's a blinding that takes place. 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. We're going to cruise through some scripture. It says this, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers and religious people, by the way, to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. So, so you're telling me that, that the, the God of this world, his job is to blind you from seeing God in all of his worth and his glory? Yes. He's trying to get you to operate in a state of religiousness where you are status quo, going to church, checking the box, and not really encountering and seeing something that moves you on the inside and causes response. Say, God, I don't have this figured out. I just know I need you. I give you my life. I give you this year. I give you my family. I give you my future. I give you everything that I have. I don't even have this thing figured out. But I know one thing is needed. If I seek his face, abide in his presence, he's faithful. He's faithful over your life to accomplish every single thing that he's called you to. I'm prophesying over somebody who's had some, some aborted dreams that God's glory is going to come below and refresh those dreams and those desires and those, those, those things that God has spoken over your life that they would come to life right now in Jesus' name. Right now in Jesus' name. God, do it. Do it all over this room right now. Restore the joy of our salvation over every heart here. That we would burn for you, God. That we would be burning ones. Just moved by one thing. Be with me. There's a blinding of glory, but there's a beholding of glory. 2 Corinthians 3.18, and we all with unveiled face, behold, unveiled. Now, now this is the work of the Holy Spirit, unveiling the face. We all now, beholding the glory of God, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. This glory doesn't run out. We behold, and we become we become what we behold. And together this year, we're going to reflect that glory. Look at Romans 15, 5. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Jesus Christ, that together. Man, just say that, together. Together. You may, with one voice, Glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is our design. This is our focus this year. Laser focused. 
to bring glory and honor to Christ Jesus, to be reflectors of his goodness and his glory. This year, church, we're gonna take it back to the start. We're gonna go back to the beginning. We're gonna learn what it means to rest in his presence and to be intimate with our Father. And not just learn how to love him, but learn how to receive his love which is many times the hardest part because of our past and our shame and our guilt and what we've done. And we say, I can never, I don't deserve this. Yes, this is not about deserving. This is about a lavish grace of a heavenly father who loves you more than we can fathom, wants us to behold him. Would you pray with me, church? Father, we thank you for moving in this place. God, we will pray with Moses. Lord, show us your glory. Come on, don't be scared of that prayer. Some of you need to pray that right now over your, 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 your life, over your family. Lord, 2019, show me your glory. Reveal yourself to me. I want to live in your presence and be changed. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Let me just talk to the room just for one second. No doubt in a room like this, there's probably a few people sitting here who've never made that jump. Made the best decision of their life. To give your life back to your creator and faith and trust in what he's done for you. I would encourage you just like I did years ago, not having everything figured out, nor do we need to, but simple faith. Jesus coming to you right now, knocking, knocking on the door, knocking. All you have to do is let him in. That's what, he, that's what he's asking to let him in. Let him in the door. Simple faith and belief in what he did for you. Open the door. Grace rushes in like a flood. If there's even one here today that says, I've never done that. I want to I give my life to Jesus Christ and him alone for the first time. I want to do that today. I want you to slip your hand up. I want to pray for you. Anyone at all in this room says, today's my day, man. Like you. Amen. I want us to stand together in closing. As you're standing, I just want to maybe talk to just people who may be watching online of lots of people tuning in. I mean, if you're sitting at your computer or listening in your car and you, you've never given your life to Jesus, it's simple. It's faith. It's simply saying something like this. God, I release control. I believe that, that, that Jesus died on the cross. I believe he was raised from the dead. Three days later, he was raised to life and he's alive today. And right now, I repent of my sins. I turn, I make him the Lord of my life. Lord of my life, save me, forgive me, heal me, fill me with your spirit in Jesus' name. The Bible says that you will be made new. Amen, church.